All right, those are some great songs, man. I hope you all are pumped up. I mean, we should be excited about the cross. I mean, the old rugged cross, like everything, he paid it all. Goodness gracious. Great place to be on a Sunday morning, worshiping the Lord, praising him, remembering what he's done for you. Um, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Have you ever thought deeply about that? Like, we just sing that. Have you ever really thought deeply about that? Like, do, would you say, I, I owe all to him, and how much of all are you giving to him? Like, that's powerful. Like, do you actually think about it? If Jesus paid it all, then you owe everything to him. Yeah, that's just so true. I just don't even think we think about it. I mean, I don't think about it like I should. <clears throat> so I was just challenged as they were singing. Um, sometimes it's easy to sing words. I usually get distracted when we're singing songs, and pretty soon I forget what I'm think singing about. So just a challenge to stay focused. So, um, <clears throat> oh, and yeah, a couple people made comment about my, the title of my message. New, wasn't that? See, I, I got some people's attention with that. You know, pretty uh, exciting. But um, <clears throat> anyway, Happy New Year, okay? Hey, it's hard to believe another year's passed. And I'm telling you, time goes by fast. And the older you get, the faster it goes. Or at least the older you get, the faster you realize it goes. And um, that's why I think time is one of our most valuable resources. Because here's what I've learned. Once you've used it, you cannot get it back. Like, I could lose some money. I could get some money back. I could, you know lose a relationship, but I could get that relationship back. But time, no way. Once time is gone, it is gone forever. You've lost it. And so I just want to start out um, reading this passage in um, Psalm 90. And so I just want to read together Psalm 91 through 12. And hey, this is new for me. I'm actually going to use this thing. I've never used this thing in my life. And I can't even see that far, so I really don't even know if it's the right one. Hey, <laughs> I think it's the right one. So anyway, if I start reading something that isn't up there, just somebody raise your hand and say, yeah, tell me. <clears throat> okay. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. Thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They're like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as a fear that is due you. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Wow. This would be my prayer for all of us at the start of this new year, that we would have hearts of wisdom and not waste our time 
on things that have no eternal value. It's a quote by D.L. Moody. He said, our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at things that don't really matter. Our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at things that don't really matter. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, thank you for another year starting and for all the ways in the past have you shown us your glory and all that you have taught us. Help us to use the time you have given us wisely for your glory and for the good of others. Help us not to live for things that don't really matter. And today, God, open our hearts to hear your word. Change our hearts and mind that they may long for you above all else. In Jesus' name, amen. The thing I hate worst about um, New Year's Day is going to the gym. Because here's what happens. I show up on January 2nd. I'm going to show up on January 2nd tomorrow. I'll go to the gym, and it's going to be packed. It'll be packed. You guys know this, right? You know, I just look around and say, no way can all these people fit in the weight room. And uh, it's everyone, it seems like everyone in Cedar Falls has decided that their New Year's resolution is to get in shape, right? And because we live in Iowa, most of us, besides runners who are totally committed to running and do it outside, no matter how cold it is, um, have to go to the gym. So it's just crowded. It's crazy. But here's the thing, but only for a month, right? <laughs> yeah, you know this only for a month because by February... It's pretty much back to normal. Most people have given up on their New Year's resolution by then. That is always a happy day for me. And I know, I'm trying not to rejoice in other people's failure, but <laughs> it is really a happy day for me. Like, I've got room in the gym. I love it. <clears throat> so thinking about this, I was just reading about New Year's resolution failure. And I don't know how people like, can measure this, but somehow they measure it and they have it. Really, failure starts for a lot of people on January 1st. Because only 41% of Americans, they say, make resolutions. Meaning that 59% of the people decided they weren't going to make a resolution because they didn't want to fail. Good thinking. Okay, so the 41% make resolutions, yet only 9% are successful. And then, this is great, researchers have identified a day they call Quitter's Day. It's January 19th. Well, it's only three weeks. Uh, this is when most people throw in the towel. So I think Paul understood this when he penned this challenge to the Ephesian believers in chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. And I'm hoping that this will be a challenge for all of us as we enter this new year. So if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 4, um, <clears throat> and then as you're turning there, you know, I'm just wondering... I wonder if they made New Year's resolutions in Paul's day. Because as I read this, it almost sounds like this is a failed attempt at, a, at fulfilling a New Year's resolution. Okay, so I just want to read this passage, 17 through 19. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardness of heart. They become callous and give themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. When you read these words, I mean, I find these words incredible because it sounds, it sounds a lot like how we speak today when we think about how we fail to fulfill New Year's resolutions or just resolutions in general. I'm sure um, that this is exactly how lots of us feel 
that are sitting in this room. How many people have felt over time and how timeless and true is the word of God. But I think this is how many of us feel about our spiritual lives. We make decisions and promises with good intent because we really want to grow and mature in our faith, but we just often fail. We um, say things like, I've heard people say this, this year I'm going to read the entire Bible. Man, they can't even make it through Leviticus. I can't even make it through Leviticus. That's one thing, you know. Or maybe they say, um, this year I'm going to memorize a verse a week. Great goal, great resolution. Or maybe I'm going to start coming to the worship service every week. Or I'm going to be early every Sunday morning. That is definitely not my resolution. It's on time. I'm on time. Not early, not late. Okay. Things go well for a couple weeks, even months, and then it's gone. And this happens enough times that most of us quit. It's exactly what Paul was writing about in Ephesians 4. Um, Or maybe because we're afraid to fail, we are like the 59% that say, I'm not making any resolutions because I don't want to fail. So we don't do anything. Okay? So in either case, I just want Paul's words just jump off the page to me because I feel this is us. And i just looking at some of these words. One of the words is futility. How many times have you said this or you've heard someone else say it? I've tried it before, but it doesn't work. Right? This is just futile. It just doesn't happen. Or this phrase, darkened in understanding. I can't, a lot of times this year, I've heard people say things like, why won't God help me? I don't understand what's happening. Or this, this word ignorance. Um, you know, I've heard people say this too. What does God expect of me? What does he want me to do? And then Paul speaks of our hearts becoming hard. You know, people, we just throw up our hands and say, never works. Why doesn't God help me? And then we give up and quit trying. I've been sharing this illustration that I heard, but it's been a long time ago, so I've forgotten some of it. So I I think I'm making up some of it, but it's still the same lesson. So um, it's just fish tank, and in one half of the fish tank, there's some food, and in the other half of the fish tank, there's a predator that wants to eat the food. So what they do is they just put a glass partition between them. And so that predator says, man, the food, so excited, charges toward the food and smashes his face on the, on the piece of glass he can't even see. And, he, you know, he backs up and says, wow, that hurt. And he gets hungrier. And so he says, there it is. And he does it again. And again, he keeps smashing his face up against that glass. And then eventually what, what, what they do is they just pull the glass right out of the fish tank and that predator never tries to get the food. Like, you know what? That's what I think it is, what's happening here. I think that's what we do a lot of time in our spiritual lives. And so, um, Paul, whoops, Gerald, the battery came out and everything. This is, Gerald's always been my savior. When I went to camp and I was trying to do um, technology, dang, if Gerald hadn't been there, I would have 
It'd have been ugly. Okay, I'm going to see if this works. Did it change? Oh, yeah, try this. Hey. Oh, I went the wrong way, though. <laughs> this could be a long message, you guys. Okay, there it is. I'm going to leave it there. <clears throat> okay, so in Ephesians 4, this is verse 20. But this is not the way you learn Christ. Here's the deal. When we make resolutions, this is not the way we're going to deal with that, the way the world does. This is not the way you learn Christ. Okay, but I got to talk about my favorite word, but. It's one of my favorite words, and I loved the word, and when I taught elementary schools, my students would always laugh, third and fourth graders, when I told them that but was my favorite word. <laughs> See, you guys are laughing. You guys have mind of a child. It's terrible. Um, <clears throat> but, but is a word of hope. Here, it does not mean what third graders were thinking. It means that it doesn't have to be this way that it shouldn't be this way, but it means following Christ does not or should not be a lesson in futility. Should, why? Here, because God tells, tells us that this world is full of trouble, but that he can give us meaning and peace in it all. Amen. Living for Christ is not futile. Amen. Have you learned that? Do you know that? But here's the deal. Living for Christ is not futile. It isn't. Christ has delivered us from darkness to light. We're no longer darkened in our understanding. Like There's, there's no reason to be darkened in our understanding. God has given us his word so we don't have to be ignorant. We don't be ignorant anymore. We have God's word. And God has given us a new heart, a heart of flesh, a heart that's not hard and calloused. And... He tells us he's always with us and there's an eternity that we can look forward to. We don't need to give up. Have you learned this? Like really, have you learned this? Look at verse 21. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Beginning of the year, here's maybe what I would challenge you with. It would be a good time to take a good look at yourself and maybe ask yourself some hard questions. Or just some important questions like, are you saved? Like, can you, are you saved? Have you repented of your sins? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Have you turned from your sin and are turning, trusting in Christ as your Savior and Lord? The American gospel, come and watch it, really great. This one guy talks about, here's what people want. I want to be saved from hell, but I really don't want to be delivered from sin because I sort of like my sin. I want to know Jesus as my Savior, eh, but I don't really want him as my Lord. Like, that's not repentance and faith. I mean, you're, gonna, you, you're trusting see Jesus as your Savior of your sin. Where are you at in this? I mean, the truth, the truth's not going to help you if you're not going to grab onto it. It's just not going to help you. So the Bible says, we, you know, you've heard this a million times. I would say if you come here, you've heard this a million times, right? Maybe not a million. That's a lot. But anyway, the Bible says that we're all sinners and separated from God, right? For all the sins fall short of the glory of God. Yep, yep. The Bible says that our sin results in death and hell. The wages of sin is death. Yeah, you heard that. Um, but, here's my favorite word again. Um, Jesus died for our sins. On the cross, he took them all on himself. 
took them all on himself, and then by repentance and faith in Jesus, you can be forgiven in your sin and receive his righteousness. Have you done that? You know what? This is the best deal in the universe. This is the absolute best deal in the universe. You'd be a fool to say no to it. You'd be a fool to say no to it. Are you kidding me? So, you know, look into your heart. Have you done that? You guys, if you haven't done that, do that today. And I don't know your hearts, but man, if you have not done that, trust Christ today. Trust him today. And then the second question you need to ask, have you learned... Do you know the truth that's found in Jesus, the truth that's revealed in your Bible? I mean, do you know it? Always think about this. There was a commercial. I should have asked Lynn. She would have remembered. I don't know. This one insurance company, and then this doctor would go into the room, and the lady would say, you know, are you know anything about doctor? And he'd say, no, but I stayed at a Holiday Inn. That was it. I stayed at Holiday Inn Express. Like, could you imagine going to a doctor's office and saying, um... You're a doctor, and the guy says, no, I've never read a medical book. You mean you've never read a book on medicine, and you call yourself a doctor? Uh, I think I don't want you to operate on me. How many people say I'm a Christian, but they never read their Bible? Like, that's ridiculous. That's crazy to me. How can you say I follow Christ, and you don't even know what Christ said? Like, that's insane. Maybe that's why we fail at our resolutions, or we don't make any commitments to Christ, because we don't even know what to say to him. How we, but we call ourselves Christians. That's probably the only thing you can, where you can call yourself something but have no idea of what the book says. Like, I'm not going to hire a plumber that's never read anything about plumbing. I'm just not. And I have some slow drains. So if you have slow drains, just get Tom to come over. He's really great. But he's not here. But, I, but I'm going to call a plumber. Okay? You call yourself a Christian? How can you do that if you don't know the book? You can't. You can't. I want you to just look at yourself and be honest with yourself. So here are some truths that you should know from Ephesians chapter 4. As we go on in verse 22. Okay. So verse 22 says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Do you know that your fleshly desires are deceitful? I mean, do you know that? Really, do you know that? Do you know that they, will never, that they will not satisfy you? Do you know that they can't satisfy you? I always find it amazing that people want to be satisfied, satisfy their desires, continue to do the same thing over and over and over again for the rest of their life. Why is that? Because it never satisfies them. Do you know that? I mean, look, at when you go through your life, do you know that your fleshly desires always overpromise, but always underdeliver? I mean, do you know that truth? This is a truth. Do you know that truth? Or are you still trying to be satisfied in those things? Guys, it's futility. It's futility. You know this truth that's in Jesus. That our desires are deceptive. They lie to us. They lie to us. When you know that sin deceives and you'll understand some really great things. Like, I love this. I think, yeah. Oh, wait. I see I'm behind already, aren't I? Dang it. Yep, look at that. Gerald, you should have been, I told you you should have been turning these for me, man. Okay, here's what you know. It's a, uh, uh, not Titus, now I'm flipping. But exhort one another every day. 
as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Do you know that, you, that we need each other? Do you understand that? Do you understand that you have to have Christian fellowship? Like, my goodness, you, you need to be encouraged because sin, is, because sin is deceptive. And you know what happens? We get hardened by it. Our hearts become callous. It should not be happening. But our heart becomes callous because of sin. I mean, we need each other. You need to show up. You need to show up. You need to be involved. You need to find people, surround yourself with people that will encourage you and remind you. I love this. It says every day, right? Exhort one another every day. You should be talking about the word of God every day because sin can harden your heart every day. You can do it a million ways, especially now with social media. My goodness, you can text someone right away what you read in the word. Someone can text you a word. You can encourage someone, okay? So here's a truth you should know, that sin deceives, and so we need one another. Okay, when you know that sin is deceptive, then you can understand the power that sin can have in your life. Um, dang it, I hate this thing. Okay, this is the verse I want. Yes. No, this is not the verse I want. Dang it. Okay. Is that tight? Uh, Gerald. Look, now I can't. How do I go back on this thing? Oh, yes. You, oh, thank you. Okay, Titus 3.3. 3. Is that Titus 3? There it is. Good. Okay. So I love this verse. Now that I can find it. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Here's another truth you should know. Sin enslaves. Why are you playing with it? Why are you messing with it? Don't you know this? Sin enslaves. Man, you cannot mess with it. But we Christians, man, we think we can mess with it. I don't know whether we think we're like beyond being tempted or beyond falling. But here's the deal. Sin enslaves. Here's, here's the truth you need to know. Man, we need to be running from sin. We need to be running from sin. Flee youthful lust. Don't play with it. Don't play with it. Um, <clears throat> next one, Gerald. When you know that sin's deceptive, then you understand that sin won't satisfy you. Listen to this. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. Maybe what you need to do is realize that building my treasure on earth is not going to satisfy me. There's a really great verse that says, the things that are eternal, there's things that are eternal and things that are temporal, the things that are eternal last, the things that are temporal will perish. You should just think of this sometime. I think of this a lot of times. If I can touch it, it's going to burn. <laughs> like, I don't have a lot of things that aren't going to burn. Like, I don't possess anything that's not going to burn. Like, in the end, I'm going to lose it all. Everything I can touch I, I'm, is going to burn. I mean, some of us in here are living for a lot of things we can touch. That's all we live for. But man, if you can touch it, it's burning. And you're not taking it with you. It's just, it's just, it is. Do you know that truth? 
Do you understand? If you know that truth, then you're not living for those things that are going to burn. Why would you? That's crazy. We live for the things that are eternal. I love Moses because he really understood this. So this passage, next one, Gerald. Oh, yes, in Hebrews 10. Look at Moses. Or is that Hebrews 11? Oh, it's supposed to be 11. My fault. I missed that. Is that an 11 or a 10? 10, yeah, it should be 11. By faith, Moses, when he grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He, listen to this. This is insanity. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. When's the last time you did that? When's the, when's the first time you did that? When's, just, has there ever been a time you have done that? You gave up pleasure to suffer. Who does that? Who does, nobody does that. But this is what Moses did. Because he understood the fleeting pleasures of sin. He understood it's not going to last. It's not going to satisfy me. Why would I run after it and waste my life running after what won't last or satisfy? Give me a heart of wisdom. And then he says, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. The treasures of Egypt were phenomenal. It was like the, the most powerful and richest country in the world. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Um, I love this thing about <clears throat> he considered disgrace for Christ as greater than all the riches that this life had to offer him. He knew where his true and lasting treasure was. Do you know where your true and lasting treasure is? Man, if you know the truth of where your true and lasting treasure is, you will live differently. We all would. Every one of us would. Um, the greatest pleasure is found in living in Christ no matter what it costs because you just got to accept this by faith. Our eternal treasure is infinitely better than anything this world has to offer. I mean, you just, gotta, you just gotta grab that by faith. Our eternal treasure is infinitely better than anything this world has to offer. That is the truth. That is the truth. So just understand the deceitfulness of sin. It overpromises, underdelivers. Don't be ignorant of this truth and spend your life in futility for things that don't really matter. As you examine yourself, as you look at yourself, sin deceiving me, have I been deceived by sin? And then he goes on and talks about another truth. Gerald, next one. Thank you. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Do you know that you have to think differently than you used to think and how the world thinks? I mean, do you understand that? I cannot listen to the world. I cannot get my inform my, my everything I need to know from the world. Who are you listening to? So that's a question. Then who are you listening to? If you're not reading and studying your Bible, you're listening to and thinking like the world. There are just really two options. You're either listening to God or you're listening to the world. That's it. 
Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? You're to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You know, I, and so that means you've got to be reading the word of God. The wrong thinking will never lead to right living. It just won't. It's impossible. It won't happen. So keep God's word. So keep God's word on your heart at all times. Like when you walk through the day, does the word of God just come into your mind because that's your thought? Because even in the busyness of the day, it's the word of God that's on your heart. It's a word of God that comes into your mind when you have to make a decision or when you face something. It's a word of God that comes into your mind when you get cut off in the roundabout. And you say, what? Be not quick to be angry, right? That's what you say. Patience is better than pride. That's what you say. And then when you say that and you know that truth, you act differently. But the word of God has to be on your mind all the time. You got to think differently. Um... Psalm 1, 1 through 2, thank you. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, but his delights in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and light. Is God's word your delight? Like, can you say that? Do you delight in God's word? Like, I want God's word more than anything. I delight to do your will, oh my God. That your delight, to do his word. And on his law, he meditates day and night. It's just in your head. And that's what you're thinking about. That's what you're thinking about when you're going about your job and you're going about your daily routine and you're going to class and you're doing raising children and you're doing whatever you're doing. The word of God is on your mind. Man, if you're not reading your Bible, then it's not on your mind. It can't be. Read, your, read the word. Memorize it. Study it. Um, oh yeah, there's a lot of good verses. Okay, next one. Romans 12, 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. You're not going to know God's will unless your mind is transformed. Sorry. Don't, isn't that what we want? I, I know lots of people want to know God's will. I wanted to know God's will. That was my overriding passion in college. I wanted to know the will of God. What is God's will for me? I just started reading the Bible. And as our, he transforms our mind, we begin to understand what his will is. But it doesn't happen if you're not in the word of God. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Love this. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So Paul's talking about Moses. And so he's referencing Moses. And if you read that whole chapter, 1 Corinthians 3, it's great. Talks about Moses. So you know the story of Moses, right? He goes up, he smashes the stones, comes down, he gets all mad. See, anger, he wasn't remembering the scripture and he smashed the tablets because he got so mad. And so God says him, say, hey, come up. I'm going to give you a replacement set. And then while he's there in the presence of God, he was transformed and his face started glowing. This is one of the coolest verses in the Bible. Like, they're all cool, but every verse is coolest. But listen to this one. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of testimony in his hands, he did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. 
You want to be changed? Talk with God. Spend time with God. You want to be transformed? Spend time with God. What I love about this verse, I love about this verse. He didn't even know. He didn't know his face was shining. Now that is cool. Because here's what's going to happen to you. You're going to be spending so much time with God, and he's going to be transforming you, and you're not even going to know it. But your wife's going to know it. Man, your wife's going to know it. Dang, why is that boy treating me so nice? Why is that boy talking so many nice things to me? Your wife's going to know it before you know it. Husband's going to know it. People around you are going to know it. These people, when, when, when he came down that mountain, those people knew Moses had been changed. This is so cool. I love this. That as you spend time with God in his word, surrender to the Holy Spirit, you are transformed so that you can know the thoughts and mind of God. So why don't we do this? Because it's stinking hard. Right? It's really hard. Because here's a deal, you guys. You're at war. You ever think that you're at war? You're in a spiritual battle every single day. Here's another truth you need to know. This is war. This is war. Listen to this in uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For we, though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy, destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God to take every thought captive to obey Christ. You know what? That's really hard. Take every thought captive to obedience to Christ. Guys, this is a war. And when you're in war, man, I've never been at war. But I've seen enough movies to know that war isn't fun. And here's a problem. We don't usually choose things that aren't fun. Like, you, you, you don't go on a, oh, wouldn't this be funny? Hey, let's go on a suffering trip. Let's take a vacation to a desert and be thirsty for a week. We don't do that. We say, let's go to the nicest place and make ourselves comfortable. You, got, you can't live like that. You're going to get destroyed. You're going to get destroyed because you're at war. You're, you're in a spiritual battle. Man, you've got to read your Bible. You've got to let God transform your life. You've got to stop being ignorant of truth. You've got to grab hold of the truth with all that you have, and then you have to fight. Then here's another truth in Ephesians 4.24. Um, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. You must know that God's desire for you is to be like Jesus. That's his desire for you. To be like Christ. I, I do like this question. Here's a question. What would Jesus do? You know, sometimes you ask that question, you say, well, I don't know. Would he have social media on his phone? He didn't have a phone. Um, so how I don't? I don't know. How do you know? But here's the, here's the challenge. Be conform, conformed to the image of Christ. So I just think of thoughts like this. Are you committed to the Father's will like Jesus was committed to, his father, to, to the Father's will? Are you willing to say your will be done? No matter how much it hurts. No matter what the price. No matter what the cost. You willing to say that? That's Christ-like. Or how about, um, are you loving others like he loved you? He says, I want you to love one another like I have loved you. Are you doing that? That's Christ-like. Or are you forgiving others like he forgave you? That's Christ-like. That's Christ-like. 
Is that how you're living? That's God's desire for you. To be like Christ. What's Christ like? Now, now you be like that. And maybe that doesn't answer all the questions that you have in every decision, but boy, uh, 1 John 2, 6 says, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Man, if you're going to say I'm a Christian, you better live like him. Otherwise, quit, t- quit telling people you're a Christian. Just don't tell people. That's what I say. If you're not going to live for Christ, don't tell anyone you're a Christian. Don't ruin the testimony. Don't ruin his name. Otherwise, if you say you're a Christian, live like him. Live like him. Otherwise, don't say it. So, um, I just want to conclude. I think I'm concluding, yes. Okay, I want to conclude with Paul's word from uh, Corinthians. So, this is 2 Corinthians 5. Yes. Is it up there, Gerald? Okay, because I want to stop right here. But I want to, I want to um, keep going. Oh, I had so many verses, you guys. I was so excited. I have about 30 minutes more of this. But I'm not going to make you stay. But anyway, 2 Corinthians 5. Thank you, Gerald. I rewrote this. I love this. I remember thinking, really, God is speaking through me through the scriptures. So you know what? I'm going to make it personal. I really challenge you to make this personal. How do you have victory? Love Jesus and understand his love for you. There's no greater motivator than love. And there's no greater love than the love of Christ. Therefore, we as followers of Christ should have the greatest motivation. So I just rewrote this because I wanted to make it personal to me. For the love of Christ controls me. Because I have concluded this, that one has died for me. Therefore, I have died. And he died for me that I might no longer live for myself, but for him who for my sake died and was raised. Because that's the cross. That's what we've been talking about all day started at 9 o'clock, and we talked about the cross. We sang songs about the cross. And now we live our life out of understanding the cross. The love of Christ controls me, because I figured this out. If he died for me, no way am I living for myself. That makes no sense. That's disrespectful. That's taking advantage of somebody. No way. I'm not going to do that. It doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect. But here's the deal. I'm done with selfish living. It's done with it. I'm living for him. Man, we're so into ourselves, it's unbelievable. Do you know he died for you? Do you know what happened on that cross? Do you know he took your every sin and he suffered in your place? Why are you living for yourself? That's illogical, people. Or examine your heart. Do I know him? Do I really know him? Do I understand the truth that is in Jesus? It's it's the cross. That's the truth that's in Jesus. So, in ending, I just want to share two things that have really impacted me in my life over, see, I think I've been saved, man, it's 40-some years, maybe. 
two things that have impacted me the greatest. Number one is sitting in the worship meeting for thir over 30 years and remembering the cross. People, I'm telling you, if you don't come to that 9 o'clock, forget the 11 o'clock meeting. Come to the 9 o'clock meeting and meditate on the cross. That's the power. That's what people read in the worship meeting this morning. The power of God, the wisdom of God is in the cross. That is, I mean, when I think back in 30 years of sitting and just meditating and hearing words about the cross, it's, it's been one of the biggest things that's changed my life. And then the second biggest thing is the word of God. Being in the word of God and reading and studying and, me and meditating, memorizing the word of God changed my life. Totally, when I think 30, 40 years of that. Guys, that's transforming power. It's transforming power. Give us a heart of wisdom. Teach us that we might be wise. You guys don't live for things that aren't eternal. Use your time for the glory of Christ. So that'd be my challenge. It's a new year, and I always like, you're like, you should have been doing this all the time, and it shouldn't be anything new, but hey, it's a new year. And say, I'm just going to do it, man. This is new beginnings. You know, you can always say that. And, and then, then these are the commitments I want to make to know Jesus better. So should we challenge you in that? Encourage you? Have a happy new year? Um, cheer for the Packers. They could still make the playoffs. But that would be new after their terrible season. But okay, so then we're just going to wrap this up in prayer. God, we just thank you that uh, you make us new. And God, we rejoice in the cross. And God, we just pray that you would work in our lives that this year um, we would draw nearer to you. God, we'd be in your word. We'd understand your truth. And um, God, that we, our hope would be in you. God, just deliver us from just the futility that, of living that's, that people without you, they just live that way. Help us to know what really matters and teach us what satisfies. God, help us to pursue you with all our heart, soul, and strength. I uh, just thank you that we could share this time together. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.